At one church, you hear a lot about Rooted. Rooted is a 10-week discipleship journey that provides us with tools for a lifetime of following hard after Jesus. It involves personal study and reflection, group interaction and discussion, and a variety of activities that allow us to experience discipleship in community. There are seven rhythms of Rooted, and these seven rhythms provide a framework for one church to live in rhythm with the Holy Spirit and one another. If you feel a little out of step with God, one or more of the rhythms is probably out of whack in your life. The seven rhythms of Rooted are, number one, daily devotion, two, prayer, three, sacrificial generosity, four, celebration, five, sharing your story, six, freedom from strongholds, and seven, serving the community. Are you meeting daily with God and experiencing His presence? Are you praying for one and aligning your heart to God's heart in prayer? Are you giving financially, consistently, and generously? Are you faithfully celebrating God's love and worship? Are you sharing how God is working in your life with others? Are you finding greater freedom from strongholds? Are you serving Jesus in your world, your home, neighborhood, workplace, school, and community? Engaging in the seven rhythms of Rooted is essential to understanding who we are as a church, the decisions we make, and the opportunities that God provides for us to reach the most people in the shortest time. We have Rooted groups available for adults and students at all of our outposts and online. Take your next step of faith and sign up for a Rooted group this fall. Rooted is for everyone, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you. No matter if you are exploring a relationship with Jesus for the very first time, or if you've walked with Him for years, God will use you and bless you through Rooted. And if you have done Rooted in the past, you're invited to participate again. A second, third, or even fourth time through Rooted can provide fresh revelations, greater growth, and new opportunities to share God's love. Join me right now in praying for Rooted and all that God will do. Father, we thank you for Rooted. Lord, we thank you for the provision of this amazing experience to experience your love and grace and community, to come alongside one another and to follow hard after you. Father, we praise you for the seven rhythms of Rooted. And I pray right now for one church that as we experience you in Rooted this fall, that God, you would move mightily through the groups. Lord, lead people to sign up for Rooted. And Father, help us to get in rhythm with your Holy Spirit and one another by experiencing these seven rooted uh, rhythms of rooted. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, we're meant to do this together. I don't want to be a show up and go type of church other than going out into the mission, but showing up in each other's lives. Showing up in each other's lives and each other's homes. We need people around us to help us and help us walk through this journey. And sometimes it's easy to kind of come, in, come and go. Um, but this opportunity to really get to know relationships. And so be praying about that. If, there's, if, if God's stirring in your heart to connect with some people, um, it's, it's one way that we can do it as the church. I'm excited as I, I stare at all of you because I'm convinced every time I look at the church, I, I see the power of what God wants to do through us. Because even now, like, I think about the schools that you'll be going to. Sorry, kids. You know, I think about, I, I do, I, I do. I think about, like, the elementary schools that are represented in this room at this moment. And I think about the places of work. Like, we all work at so many different places. And I think about, like, our extended families. And I think about our homes. And I think about all of these places that God sends us. And here's what I believe about it is that God at work in your life is incredibly powerful. And I don't know that we always believe that. 
I don't know that we always believe that God wants to do something mighty through us. Sometimes we don't think we're good enough or we have our own sufficiencies, insufficiencies. And, but I would say God wants to do a work in our lives and through our lives. And you're, it doesn't matter um, your past. It doesn't matter all of your hangups that you, you think are there or they are there, whatever it is. What, what scripture will talk about is that God dwells inside you. That if you're in Christ Jesus, it says that his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, lives inside you. And that Spirit inside you is power. And it's not just, it's not just power for singing a song. It, it's power for impacting the, the worlds in which God has placed you. It's power for your marriages. It's power for you raising of your kids. It's power for when you go to school at lunchtime for your classmates and who you reach out to. There's a power at work in us. And I think, I think in some ways as the church, we have to take ownership of that, that God wants to do something through my life, that God wants to do something through your life. And with that comes some responsibility to it. It's like, okay, God, what do you want to do with this life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you, Lord, and being willing to lay everything else down and say, God, God, use me completely and totally. So we've been going through a series uh, called Jesus Quotes. And as we go through every series, we, we always have a memory verse. Jesus quotes are these, these quotes that Jesus will make, quoting the Old Testament. And we're hanging out in the Psalms, where Jesus will quote from a Psalm in, in his life and in his ministry. Even though it might have been separated for hundreds of hundreds of years, Jesus sees the scripture and says, that's talking about me. That's talking about me. This is talking about me. And some of them are intriguing, and some of them are confusing, and we'll wrestle through them uh, together as we go through them. But as we do it, we always have a memory verse that we do together. And so we're going to say it out loud, and I, I challenge you to say it out loud. Uh, it's, it's been through the whole series. It's from Luke chapter 24, verse 44. It's a little bit of a long one, but, but we, can, we can hang on. We can do it together. All right, so, so read this with me. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So Jesus is saying, look, what the scriptures were, were writing about, what the, what the writers of the law, what Moses was talking about, ultimately it was pointing to me, which I find astounding. I find astounding how separated by so many hundreds of years they're speaking of Jesus, of the prophets and of the Psalms. And it's just really neat. It's just really neat to think about. But then Jesus will call his church and he'll call followers of him. All right, come follow me. All right, come do what I do. All right, come walk as I walk. And for some of us, that's a big task until we understand that his Holy Spirit is living in us. So for 2 Timothy, Paul's writing to a young man named Timothy, and this is what he says. He says, for the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid. For the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. It gives us love and self-discipline. So to the fearful people among us, when, when you sense, okay, God's got a calling on my life of who he's called me to be, and you're like, oh, I'm just so afraid of it. I just don't think I could do it. I'm just a timid, timid old soul. It says, no, that's not the spirit that God has given you. That's what you might feel. You might feel that. You might be like, oh, I can't step out. I can't join Rooted, or I can't serve in the church, or I can't, I can't talk to my neighbor, or I can't do all of this. Well, that, that might be you, but that's not the spirit of God living in you. And there's freedom when we start to understand that. It says the spirit that God gave you is, is one of love. And so sometimes you get frustrated with people. Sometimes you get angry with people. Sometimes you get mad at people and people groups and all of this. But that's not the spirit of God that's working in you. That's your own spirit. It says the spirit of God that lives in you is one of love. Maybe you feel like your life is a wreck, that you don't know how to pull it all together. And I want to ask you to raise hands, but, but, but I know that we've all been there at moments where you don't feel like you can't hold it all together, and what scripture says, or that something's got you, or you feel like you can't get past something. You ever, have you ever been to a moment you thought, oh, oh this has got me. Oh, I just can't get past this. This is who I am. What scripture will say, what Paul will tell Timothy is, oh, that's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God inside you is one of self-discipline. 
We have power. Oh, oh, that the church would understand its power. And not its power, not as though we possess it. We possess it only because God has chosen to give it. And God works through his church in such beautiful, amazing ways. But here's what I know about power. Power can either be used or abused. The responsibility that God has given you can be used. It can be used well. Or it can be abused. I would, I would say part of the abuse part, it could be neglected. You could say, okay, God has called me to something, but I'm not sure if I'm up for the task, and so I'm not going to do it. Or I'm busy with other things, so I'm not going to do it. So power can be used. It can be used in good ways, in God ways, or it can be abused. So we got a weird passage this morning. Can I just say that? we got a weird passage, and this guy on the stage does not have all of the answers to all of this. We will wrestle through it together. You'll be like, what is this guy saying? Like, we gotta go, i got to go read this for myself. Psalm 82 is where we're going to be, and, and we're going to just kind of wrestle through it and try to let God speak to our hearts through it. And I'd ask for you to ask God, God, speak to me. What are, what are you trying to tell me in the midst of this? So Psalm 82. It starts in this way. I'm going, to give you a, I'm going to set the scene a little bit. It says, God is walking among the assembly of the gods. Now, that is completely confusing. Small g, gods. God is walking among the assembly of the gods. Now, I, we know that the, the Israelites, they brought a, a one God type of faith, which is an incredible blessing. There is one God. They should have no others before him. And yet it begins with God walking among the assembly of the gods. So you're, all of a sudden, you're like, what in the world is going on here? And we can wrestle through that in a little bit. But let's read it. Psalm 82, verses 1 through 4. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust? How long will you show partiality to the wicked? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to defend the weak. I want you to defend the fatherless. To uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. I want you to rescue the weak. And I want you to rescue the needy. I want you to deliver them from the hand of the wicked. So what is going on here? God is walking among the... Presides among the assembly of the gods. Well, some say it's God walking among the angelic beings who have given some type of authority over all of the earth. And he's walking among them. And and rather than doing perhaps what they've been called to do, you could decide whether or not that... Fits or not. Something to God, something what, what is going on here is this story from Exodus. Story from Exodus, God has led his people out of Egypt, and Moses will go up onto the mountain to get the law of God. God's showing you this is how I want you to live to be my people. You know the story of Moses. Moses will go on top of a mountain. You've, you've seen, whether it's been the Prince of Egypt or whether it's Charlton Heston, whatever, whichever one you have seen, where when Moses gets the law and he says, this is, this, is, this is the way God has called you to life. If you follow him, you will find life. If to not follow him is to find death. If you follow this, you could be like God. And I don't mean that in a sense that you, you could be God-like. You could do the things that he's calling you to do. You could be his representatives on earth. I think when you see Adam and Eve in the garden, they were meant to be representations of God on earth. They had fallen from that in choosing to go their own way. And it seems like there's some type of restoration that God is wanting to bring by giving his law to them and to teaching them this is the path. These are the commands by which you can live. And if you live them, you will find life. And if you live them, you will be delivered from death. And, 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 we, and we will wrestle through some of that. Um, and, and so some sense, I think what he's talking about, he's telling the Israelites, he says, you can be like God within the world. You can be gods within the world. You can be representations of who God is within the world. Only if you watch the rest of the story. 
if you watch the rest of the story, Moses comes down the mountain, and, and while he's up on the mountain, I don't know what's going on in their minds. And I, sometimes I'm like overly critical of the Israelites, but this is one of those where like, I feel like I'm justly like, what are you guys thinking? So Moses is talking to God on the mountain, the God who had just delivered them from slavery, and as he comes down the mountain, they've gotten everybody's gold earrings and gold bracelets, melted them down, and made a golden calf, and says, this is going to be our God, we're going to worship him. And you're like, okay, Human beings have problems. Amen. So God can show the pathway to life. God can give us the pathway to be the best representation of him on earth. God can say, follow this and you will find life and you will be great representations of me. You will be God-like among the nations. So when they look at you, they will see Christ, God in you, because we're Old Testament. They will see God in you as you have this community of Israel and you'll shine a light to a nation. It's too small for a thing for Israel for it just to be for you. I want to use you and shine my light on you and through you so that you will see other nations. And they come down the mountain and he's, they're worshiping golden calves. So God is walking among the gods, and he has some questions for those he gave some sense of authority over. And I, I think, you know, to draw it into our lives, I think he's given all of us some sense of authority. Authority within our families, authority at our jobs, authority with, even with our classmates, all kinds of authority. And I think he's asking, well, what did you do with the authority that I gave you? He says, why is it you're always going after the popular crowds? Why is it you're always, you're, you're, let me say it right so I don't get it wrong. He says, um, how long will you defend the unjust? How long will you show partiality to the wicked? And in reality, I have these other questions for you. He says, what about the weak? And what I love about the nature of our God is he is all power. He's all might. And yet this almighty, powerful being, his greatest concern is for those who are weak, for those who are oppressed, for those who are struggling. And then he wants to empower his people to be his ambassadors to the poor, the weak, and the struggling. And all they get caught up on is, is themselves. And, and, and he's walking among them. And he says, well, what about you? Why, why aren't you stepping and being the, the sons and daughters of God that I've made you to be? You hear the, the, the question. And so here's some of the questions that we ask, that I think we have to ask ourselves in the same way that God was asking at that moment, do you defend the weak and the fatherless? Do you uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed? Do you rescue the weak and the needy? Do you deliver them from the hand of the wicked? There's all of these questions of, okay, God has put you today in this world. And now, because of what Jesus has done, he put his Holy Spirit in us. He says, I want to use you. I want to use you to help the weak. I want to use you to help those who are being oppressed. I want to use you to cross the lunchroom, and I, I do mean this, to cross the lunchroom to the kid who's sitting by themselves in a couple of weeks, and I want to use you to be me to them. I want to, I want to use you as a husband or as a wife, to love your wife as Christ loved the church and died for her and gave himself up for her. I want, to, I want to use you so that me through you can love those who are oppressed, can love the needy, to love all of these things. And, and so what I notice about what, what I think Psalm 82 is starting to talk about is we are charged with responsibility, but we either use it or we abuse it. And we can make it more about ourselves or we can neglect it and... Those in need are lost. Because here's the reality. Earthly power fails. 
Earthly power always fails. If any of you ever voted, <laughs> all your hopes and somewhere along the line, earthly power fails. If you ever own a cell phone, earthly power fails. I was just thinking, shout out, shout out. What are the things, earthly power? That I live on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere. If, there's a, if there is a breeze, we, we don't have power. Earthly power fails. Aging, the body fails. Earthly power fails. Even young men, they get tired. We're called. We're called to be representatives and ambassadors of God. We're called, if I can use this correctly, with grace given to, from, from you as we are called to be God-like, God-like in our world, God-like in our families, God-like in our marriages, God-like in all of these places, God-like in our schools. But you know as well as I know, like, earthly power fails. Man, I missed, I missed the mark. And even other gods, maybe you're like, oh, maybe the, the, the gods is the small g gods. It's all the gods of the nations. It's, it's the gods that they put their trust in and they're leaning on them and they're waiting on them. And we have our own gods of our culture of money and fame and popularity, all of, all of these things. All earthly powers fail. This is what goes on to say in the psalm. It says in Psalm 82 verses 5 through 8, the gods know nothing. Boy, ain't that the truth. The gods know nothing. It says they understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken because I've, 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 I've given them some sense of power and authority to do good with it. And, and they always do bad. It seems like they never do what is right. And it says they walk around in darkness and the foundation of the earth is shaken. But then he goes on to say this, and you've got to hold on to this verse. I said you are gods. Hold on to this verse because that's what Jesus is going to quote. It, it seems confusing. It's, it, it, my head's been wrapped around it for weeks. He says, I said that you are gods. You are sons of the most high. You are all sons of the most high, but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Then you have this little plea in verse 8. Rise up, O God. Judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Earthly gods fail. Earthly powers fail. And as Israel was called to be this representative of God to the nations, if they walked in the way that they were called to walk, my understanding is of, it, of it is that the nations around them would find blessing. That the people in their lives would be blessed because of them. And yet they, they failed in order, in able to, to, to follow of the law. And Romans will talk about the, the law was given so that we start to understand, oh, I have a need, that there is, there, there is mistakes in my life, that there is the holiness of God, and then there's me. And so I need someone who can stand in the gap. And so I come into this realization that there are moments when earthly powers fail. And every moment, I suppose, earthly powers Failed. And he says that we will die like mere mortals. But then there's Jesus. And what you'll find is earthly powers fail, that power can be used or abused, but what you'll find about Jesus is that Jesus has ultimate power. In fact, as he starts to reveal it, it kind of gets him in trouble. As he starts to kind of talk about some of this stuff, it gets him in trouble. So we're in John chapter 10. So this is where Jesus will quote it. So that's Psalm 82. Authority has been given. Authority we can use and abused. Earthly powers fail. Men are men are men. They have their flaws and problems. 
So John chapter 10, Jesus comes into the scene. And he comes on the scene speaking to the religious leaders who were often called the shepherds of Israel. You might know they were often called the shepherds of Israel. They're the, the pastor, pastoral. They're the, they're the ones who are helping guide the people. Only the problem, they've been given authority. And it seems as though you try to be fair to them as fair as I possibly can, but somewhere along the way, earthly powers fail and they start to abuse it. And so the shepherds of Israel, Ezekiel chapter 34, I think it's Ezekiel chapter 34, it'll talk about, this is way before the, even, even the, those religious leaders, but it'll talk about the shepherds of Israel and how, how over time any religious leadership has always had its flaws. Am I right, church? <laughs> Am I right, church? Any religious leadership has always had flaws. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, what, what it's talking about, God is talking to the shepherds of Israel and he's saying, what are you doing with my sheep? Like, you're supposed to lead them to food, and you're eating them. You're supposed to lead them to water, and you're, you're taking their wool as clothes. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to be caring for them, and they're all wandering off. And so in Ezekiel 34, this is, God, this is what God says. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to shepherd my people Israel. I'm going to be the one who leads them to the place where they need to go. And so in John chapter 10, Jesus is talking about such things. And he's talking to the shepherds of Israel. And he says stuff like this. I am the gate for the sheep. The only way for the sheep to get in is through me. Jesus will say things like this. The hired hands, they run away as soon as something more advantageous comes or as soon as they get a little scared, but I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. Ezekiel chapter 34, God says, I myself will shepherd my people. John chapter 10, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. You catching what Jesus is laying down? He's saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the one that Israel has been waiting for. You had these other rulers who had authority. You had these other judges, dare we call them gods, as Psalm chapter 82 says. He says, but... He looked and saw if they were accomplishing and doing what God had called them to do, and they were missing the mark. But Jesus says, here I am to do what they were not doing. And now the shepherds of Israel are like, you're stepping on our toes. And so this is the text we read where we get to that passage. Judge chapter 10, verses 29 through 38, it says this, My father, who has given them to me, this is his sheep, is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. You hear that? You hear what Jesus is saying? I and the father. It's important. I and the father are one. Again, the Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. So it's always I, I should do a study sometimes of how many times Jesus is about to get killed. And he just, it just somehow stops. He either walks right through them. So they pick up the stones, but they don't. Anyways, um, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. What are the good works that the Father desires? What was he asking of the gods, small g gods of the past, to take care of the weak, to find the oppressed and release them? What are the, what are the things? He says, I've shown you the good works of the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Well, we are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Now watch what Jesus does. It's confusing. Again, it's hard to get your mind around. You've got to go home and read Psalm 82 and read John chapter 10 and kind of wrestle through it. And we can talk about it on some other occasions. But it says, um, Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I have said you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, perhaps that's on the mountain, the word that God came from the mountain. If he called them gods, 
and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father has set apart as his very own sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Jesus, you can't say that you're the Son of God. Jesus, you can't say that you're God. And so in this weird Psalm 82 reference, Jesus looks back and says, no, God called them gods. But man, they fell short. They fell short of God-likeness. But now I have come, and if you want to see what God looks like, this is why he starts pointing to his works. If you want to see what God looks like, I want you to see what I do. And if you watch the life of Jesus, you start to see the wonderful picture of God that he was calling out in Psalm 82. You'll find Jesus going to the weak, those who can't see, those who can't walk, those who can't hear. And in his works, you start to see God working through the Son of God. And so Jesus says, you don't have to believe what I say. Instead, I want you to believe by, by the works that I do. And what you start to see is that Jesus is ultimate power, that Jesus is ultimate authority. And what we, charged with responsibility, did not do, slash could not do, Jesus came as the perfect man to do it for us. So we might have this question. First off, praise God that he did it for us. Praise God that he met me in my brokenness, that he met you in your brokenness. And as I said, Romans earlier, Romans tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I feel that, and you have felt that. But then it goes on to say, but we all have been freely justified by his grace. And then you hit Romans like chapter 8, and it says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's now no condemnation. Maybe you came here today feeling condemned. Maybe you came here today and you were the condemner. Where what scripture will say is, no, in Jesus, when you are in Jesus, yeah, I felt the weight of the law. And yeah, I could say at moments, what a wretched man I was. But praise be to God who delivered me from it. So now I can say, I am free. If you are in Christ Jesus, it says you are free indeed. And maybe you came here not knowing that you're free. May I tell you that you are free in Jesus Christ. And now you are free, not only free, but the Holy Spirit dwells inside you. And now is charged you with responsibility to the world around you. So not only are you free, but now you have purpose. You have purpose through which God wants to work, which is... It's a beautiful blessing. you be like, oh, God just wants me to do stuff? Absolutely. And it's the best thing you'll ever find is when God says, I want you to help the weak and I want you to reach out to those who are in need and I want you to do the things that I created humankind to do in the first place. And now, by my Holy Spirit, not by your strength, or better yet, by your strength working with the Holy Spirit, now the people around you will find and see what love looks like through you and in you. Jesus is the ultimate power. But we're New Testament Christians. Because what old Israel could not do, God has done for us in Jesus, and now his Holy Spirit lives in us. And so now Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now the Holy Spirit working in you is the one that's the power. Now the Holy Spirit in you is the love that sometimes you can't find or other human beings can't find in us, but him working through us and in us.
Now self-discipline comes through his strength and through his power. So Jesus says, look at me. And in me you'll see. In me you'll see what love looks like. One of the most beautiful pictures. I, I lost my communion somewhere. Oh, it's in my pocket. There you go. Flawed human beings. Earthly powers fail. One of the most beautiful pictures is right before the Last Supper. Jesus will have a meal with his disciples. And God will come into the room. God will come into the room. He calls himself the Son of God. He, 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 God will come into the room. And Jesus will see that no, no one else has washed anybody else's feet because we worry about us and what we want. And so it says he took, out his, took off his outer robe and he began to wash all of their feet. And I think what Jesus would say, and it's such a beautiful thought, it's like this is what God does. What kind of God is this? This is, this is what God does. He washes, he washes people's feet. And then he'll turn to his disciples and he'll turn to me and he'll turn to you and he says, if this is what I do, if this is what God-likeness looks like, then you're going to wash the feet of others. And you're going to meet people in their weakness and you're going to show them the strength that can come from God. You're going to meet people in their brokenness and you're going to love them. And You're not going to take whatever responsibility you walked into this room with and abuse it or neglect it. But it show Jesus through your life. And so Jesus had this meal with his disciples and he took the bread and he says, whenever you do this, I want you to remember me. And I don't think it's just a, like this passive remember. I think it's a, this is where he went and therefore I go too. And so we take this in remembrance of our king. As he took the cup, he says, this is, this is my blood being poured out for you. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Would you all stand with me? There are many times, many days, that you perhaps do not feel like the Son of God. There are many times, many moments, when you don't feel like the daughter of God. But that is what you are. And if you don't know him yet, may you know that you're invited into his family. You're invited into a new identity in him. That's what baptism is. Baptism is this putting to death the old self. Figuratively into the, the depths of the water, into the watery grave and being raised to life again. As a son or daughter of the king. And that invitation is for you at any moment. It's during these next couple songs, if today's the day, tomorrow, the next week, whatever moment you're ready to say, I want to, I want to be in relationship with my king and know him, may you know that that invitation is for you um, in the next couple songs, after the service, whenever. And maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you felt the... Maybe you haven't felt like a son or daughter for a while. Maybe you felt on the fringes. Maybe you've been the, the black sheep. Maybe you've been the sheep that's been lost on the hillside. May you know the shepherd who's running after you. May you know the shepherd that leaves the 99 to go get you so that he can carry you back to himself. May you know the, the father who throws his arms wide open to invite you back to himself. We pray with me? Our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, 
Son of God, mighty Savior. Lord, earthly powers fail, human powers fail, our powers fail. But you are the ultimate, you are sufficient. Thank you for meeting us. Thank you for meeting us here. And Father, as there is your church before me and behind me, Lord, I, Lord, I pray that you might pour out your spirit within us. Father, I pray that we may fan into flame whatever gifts and responsibility you've called us to. I pray that we may not neglect it or abuse it. Show us where we've done either. And Father, I get excited to, to watch us leave this place and imagine what, what your church and your called out, God-reflecting people can do in the world, in the schools, in all the places that you send us. It's your name we pray. Amen.